and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. So whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thank you for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 6, Episode 10, Wrecked. So, uh, Kara, something not so chill happened last episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we are here to see the fallout of that and what a ride it is. Do do we have to? Could we just take this week off and talk about something else? (laughs) You know what? We're going to go back and talk about episodes we do like. (laughs) I feel wrecked by what happened. Yeah, this episode is a downer and not in the way that like passion or innocence or like one of those kind of episodes was a downer and we still like really enjoyed it and like I I could sink my teeth into it and be like, oh yeah, this one was just... <sighs> this is this is a hard episode to watch and it's a hard episode to talk about partly because the issues in it are so serious mm-hmm. and you and I like to make fun of things and I'm always nervous when we get a serious episode because I don't want our listeners to think that we're making light of serious stuff but it's it's also hard because like Buffy Willow, Tara, Don, like, oh my, notice I'm not mentioning Xander. Xander does not have anything to do with this episode. No, 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 no. Uh, No, you're so right. It's just, I think I said this at the beginning of of Smashed. What a terrible time to be a fan of these characters because everybody suffers in this episode and it's, it's hard to watch. And I am looking forward to talking about it with you as always. But yeah, I can't lie. Watching the episode, I was like, man, this is a downer. I don't I don't come out of it feeling good. There's very few jokes in that in it, um, unlike the last episode. So um, I, I do feel wrecked is very much about Willow. We're gonna obviously be talking about addiction, but I wanna say right off the bat that I feel like this is a little bit quick. And I think you had said this back in all the way, Kara, that you're you're like her personality switch. Did that happen just like out of the blue or like too quickly for you? Watching this episode, I feel like this whole storyline is happening really quickly in this episode for me. I think I would have liked it better had they done this whole rack sequence over two episodes, maybe. Like, it just just not all in just, like, one big night, you know? Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. If Buffy had been made five to ten years later than it was then that's what would have happened, right? If if we were talking like Supernatural era, then yes, the Rack storyline would have played out over three or four episodes of the season. If Buffy were being made now, when every TV show has six to ten episodes these days, the Rack storyline would have been ten minutes of one episode. <laughs> um, so like, I think, I, I, I think television has kind of, it's hopefully going to come full circle and then you know maybe five years from now we'll be back at the buffy point where like this will happen within one i don't know it's interesting to me how 
pacing has changed as streaming and uh, episode and season lengths have changed all that. So I hear what you're saying. I, I think that it's not as rushed for me because they've been laying the groundwork for all like Buffy and Willow's experiences in this episode the whole season so far. This is just the payoff. And I don't think it's any, uh, it's not a coincidence that it's episode 10. You know, we're getting towards the halfway point and they needed to really kind of reach that early climax and, and they needed, you know, Buffy and Willow to hit this nadir such that the next, you know, five, maybe six episodes is going to be everybody else realizing how awful it is. Yeah. And dealing with it and then i don't know what's gonna happen from that point well we're gonna have to find out yeah and it could be it could be the case of this episode being so heavy-handed in the parallel of magic and drugs i mean it, it is it has been paralleled since season one or two right like we, we've seen it before but here it's just so obvious with like you know like rack's house and all the people that are in it and the way Amy's acting, like, we're going to talk about it. But I think maybe that's like, all of a sudden, it's just like in your face. And maybe that's what jarred me to be like, whoa, we didn't really well, lead up to it's, this. It's not subtle about how yeah. it's a metaphor for addiction and substance use in other, you know, more mundane ways. And I, I think we'll talk about that as we go through the episode, for sure. Yeah. Did you have a different name for this episode? Um, I like the smashed and wrecked pairing. So I think I'd have to go with like... A similar pairing for, across the two episodes. So it's maybe something like, I, I, no, I don't know. <laughs> you no, I don't have anything. Um, mine was uh, about last night. Is <laughs> what I would call it. I like that. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So we start off. Uh, cartoons are on the TV. Don and Tara have fallen asleep on the couch because remember last episode we left them there. Tara was like, "I'm just going to stay till someone gets home." Well, no one came home, so they stir. And Tara's like, oh my god, it's almost seven. I just closed my eyes for a second. And Dawn's complaining that she has an all-night wedgie. And Tara notes that no one woke up. Like, like no one woke them up. Where is everyone? So they check Buffy and Willow's room. They're empty. Dawn's like, well, they were out all night. Where are they? And Tara says, I'm sure they're fine, Donnie. I'm sure they just lost track of time. We cut to Buffy, who is at the bottom of the collapsed building, waking up naked and hiding her body with Spike's leather jacket and Spike is lying naked next to her and he wakes up and Buffy is getting up and she's like when did the building fall down and Spike says I don't know sometime between the first time and and Buffy says oh my god <laughs> and we cut to credits oh my god indeed um we the, Buffy is getting changed. She's looking for her discarded clothing. Spike asks, what's the hurry, love? Buffy says, the hurry is I left Dawn all night and don't call me love. And Spike says, you didn't seem to take issue with that last night or with any of the other little nasties we whispered to each other. <sighs> okay. Okay. So right off the bat, Spike is so smug and it makes my skin crawl. So it, I forget, I think the, the saying goes... You're acting like the cat who got the cream, and now you can't stop licking your lips. Like, that's kind of... Ew. I know why that's I don't want to think about what's on Spike's lips, Steph. <laughs> you went there, not me. <laughs> I was using a metaphor. You're the uh, one who brought up <laughs> licking of lips. It's your fault. <laughs> the, yeah, this, this post-coital scene was hard for me to watch. Mm -hmm. 
hard to talk about, I think, the two of us, because it's so distinctive from Buffy's other post-coital scenes, right? Like, obviously, when she slept with Angel, it sucked because he then lost his soul and belittled her. So that was uncomfortable. And then she slept with Parker, and that also sucked because mm-hmm. she thought she would have a nice morning after and he kicked her to the curb. Mm-hmm. It, it's really strange for me to say this, but Riley was her healthiest sexual relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. Now, now we're seeing her post-coital interaction with Spike, and I'm just like, oh, Buffy. Like, like I, my, my main feeling in this scene was discomfort in the sense of, like, if... I was the friend that Buffy called me up to tell me to tell me about her walk of shame after this, right? Like, like what do I do with this? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I feel the same way, actually. I was thinking, I was like, if I was Buffy's friend and she came home all bruised, because look at her face. Look at her face. It's covered in bruises. She's got cuts. And she's clearly disgusted with herself. So as her friend, I too would be like, oh, girl, like, I'll sit down. Let's talk about it, you know? It is hard to watch this, this scene. So, um... Yeah, just that added layer of Spike's smugness, his, like, I got her. Like, I fucking did it, right? Like, after his two years of being disgusting, it just, it really makes my screen crawl. So Buffy says, can we not talk? (laughs) And Spike says, I don't see why you have to run off so quick. I thought we could. And Buffy says, not going to happen. Last night was the end of this freak show. And Spike grabs her. Um, and pulls her to the ground and he says, don't say that. And Buffy says, what did you think was going to happen? We were going to read the newspaper together, play footsie under the rubble. And Spike reaches into her skirt and he says, not exactly what I had in mind. So this is part of the thing that makes it uncomfortable, right? Is Spike is grabbing her without her consent. Uh, what I can only assume is fingering her without her consent, which is icky. And this this is something that I'm I'm really curious to see as the season goes on how the show deals with the idea of ongoing consent in a relationship like this because yes Spike she might have said yes to you last night and let you touch her last night and that was okay but consent is ongoing right so if she gave it to you prior that's great but it has to be ongoing and that's the difference between having sex with Buffy and sexually assaulting Buffy so here she's saying no stop no stop he says make me right and this is a dynamic that we're going to continue seeing so I'm just I'm just curious to see how the show will highlight this consent and this dynamic as we go forward as we're seeing it now it's very toxic and abusive so Buffy says, stop. He says, make me. They struggle for a second and then they start to make out. And Buffy is saying, no, no, I have to go. And Spike says, stay. I'm stuck here. The sun's out. And that appears to be tempting enough for Buffy, who who kind of like falls into the kissing of him. And then Spike says, I knew. I knew the only thing better than killing a slayer would be. And Buffy shoves him off her and says, that's what this is about, doing a slayer. And Spike says, I wouldn't throw stones, pet. You seem to be quite the groupie yourself. Buffy says, shut up. Spike says, I'm just saying, vampires get you hot. And Buffy says, a vampire got me hot. One. And I was like, yeah, Buffy. (laughs) She's talking about Angel, of course. Um, (laughs) Or Dracula. (laughs) We we can't be sure. Spike might have a point in this one particular observation of his. I'm just saying. No, no, I agree. And like, well, this is why it's hard, right? Because Spike is being 
really, really gross in a lot of ways here. Um, I don't like that he brought up the fact that like the only thing better than killing your kind is fucking your kind, right? Like that's a really gross thing to say. But vampires possibly do get Buffy hot. Who can say? Buffy says he's gone. You're just convenient. And Spike scoffs at that because it is a mean thing to say. But again, Spike is the one being crude here first. Uh, Spike then gets up and he starts getting dressed and he says, so what? You're going to go back to treating me like dirt until the next time you get an itch you can't scratch? Well, forget it. Last night changes things. I'm done being your whipping boy. Do we believe him? No. (laughs) Although, no. Actually, I don't want to say no because I was thinking this at the end of last episode. Spike has been has been her whipping boy, right? He has just been a fool for love for her, uh, story says, since the beginning of season five. And I wonder if having sex with her is going to change that dynamic for him because now he's finally got her. When he says um, things have changed, I actually I'm prone to believe him because remember when this happened with Parker and he changed right away as well. And of course, like you just said, Angel. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's so it, interesting how in this show, men change immediately the moment they have sex with the object of their desire. Specifically Buffy. Right. Yes. It's specifically Buffy's the one who's doing this. It's all her fault. <laughs> we totally blame, we blame Buffy on this show for everything. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I, I agree that he believes it's all changed. I'm not sure I think he's going to like be stronger when it comes to not wanting to have sex with Buffy. Does that make sense? He's trying to make it seem like he's going to be hard to get now, right? And like Buffy's going to come crawling back and he's going to be like, no, I'm not going to have sex with you. I don't think that's true. I think he will. I think he likes pretending that's the case right now because it makes him feel really good and manly and in control. Yeah. Buffy says nothing's changed. It was a mistake. Spike says bullocks. It was a bloody revelation. You can act as high and mighty as you like, but I know where you live now, Slayer. I've tasted it. That's so gross. I know, I know. And Buffy says, get a grip like your God's gift. Spike tries to kiss her, says hardly. It wouldn't be nearly as interesting, would it? And again, like, stop, stop touching her, Spike. She doesn't want you to touch her right now. Buffy knocks him back and goes to leave. He gets in her way. She says, no, let me go. He puts his arms around her shoulders and he says, I may be dirt, but you're the one who likes to roll in it, Slayer. You never had it so good as me. Never. (laughs) Okay. Um, Buffy breaks away from him and says, you're bent. Spike says, but it made you scream, didn't it? And Buffy says, I swear to God, if you tell anyone about last night, I will kill you. And Spike's like, right. Then he holds up her panties and he says, you're going to want these too. And Buffy punches him in the face and leaves. And my my note here was, are those panties from last year that he just carries around in his pocket? Oh my God. <laughs> he's giving them back to her. Because let's not forget uh, that he's a creep. He's a creep. This, this again, just so, I'm so uncomfortable. Part of it is my sex repulsion where it's just like, I don't mind talking about sex with my friends and and their experiences with sex. I don't really want to like see it on screen, especially when it's complicated by, like you're saying, these overtones of rape and if not lack of consent, then clearly Buffy is experiencing some revulsion and regret. This is not a happy postcoital scene. And therefore I'm like physically recoiling both while I was watching the episode, but also now when I'm talking with you, I'm just like, I, I don't want to be here right now. For me, what what is hard to see, Buffy's bruises 
all over her face. Mm-hmm. And mind you, Spike is also bruised. But if we're comparing this after the the morning after to all her other ones, which have most for the most part, except for Riley, been pretty awful. She's never been abused. She's never had this physical level to it. Right. And that's really hard to see. So Tara is making Dawn pancakes at home. Um, Dawn's freaking out. She's like, should we call Xander? Dawn, what's Xander going to do? Um, she's like, what if they're in a ditch somewhere? Ditch, they're bad. Mom always used to talk about the ditches. <laughs> and Tara says, nobody's in a ditch. We'll call, but we'll give them some time to wake up. And that's when Willow and Amy come in. And Tara's just like, oh, hey, uh, Buffy didn't come home last night either. So, And she's eyeing up Amy because clearly it's like, oh, Willow brought a girl home. And Willow clarifies, says, this is Amy. Amy asks asks Tara how she's doing and Tara's just like fine I better get going and Willow's like Amy Amy the rat and then she's like sorry and Amy's like no no that's fair I was a rat (laughs) so Tara asks like when did you change your back Amy's like last night it's nuts everything's different the bronze for one thing and Willow she's a freaking amazing witch now I couldn't even keep up with her last night and Willow is trying to shut her up and Amy's like no no it's true (laughs) yeah the the physical acting in this scene is really really good again the blocking Tara standing near the stove making the pancakes near dawn Willow and Amy on the other side of the kitchen just coming in the door on the other side of the the island um you know there's this physical gulf between Tara and Willow right now. And then, like you were saying, Amy is just talking and talking and talking, and Willow is right next to her and just being like, no, like making the the face. (laughs) Yeah, read the room. Yeah, so Amy says, um, I can do some transmography, but she's messing with dimensions and everything. It was awesome. This blowhard dude, first she made his mouth disappear, and then Tara is getting more upset, because especially with the... With the added, like, dimension talk in here, because that's what they their first fight in the bronze was about, was Willow wanting to move dimensions and stuff. Amy's like, I'm talking too much. Sorry. It's just been me and a bag of pellets for the last few years. And I was like, Amy, that's, you, you mean that that's just been you and dinner in a bag <laughs> for the past couple of years? It's always coming down to dinner in a bag in the <laughs> summer's house all day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Tara says, no, it's fine. I really need to go. And Willow starts to tell Tara that she left a a box for stuff upstairs and Tara's like I'll get it later and she storms past um, Buffy as Buffy comes home Buffy comes into the kitchen and Dawn's like where were you like are you okay and she's like I'm fine Dawn's like no you're not you're all sore and limpy and Buffy says I'm not sore I just had a fight the all-nighter kind and Dawn's like I figured I knew that's why you didn't call so what's the big bad should we be worried and Buffy's like no I think you guys are safe Tara was here and Willow's like I guess she stayed up with Dawn and Buffy's like you guess where were you and Willow's like, we went out, lost track of time. I never would have if I knew you if I knew you weren't coming home. And Buffy's like, no, no, of course. I mean, it wasn't intentional and everyone's safe. And then she's like, You're you're okay, right? And Don's like, Yeah, yeah, but my pancakes are burning. So Willow goes to the to the stove and she's like, I gotta get some sleep. And Buffy's like, Me too. Amy's like, I'm gonna go home. My dad's expecting me. So she'll call Willow later. Buffy double tech double checks in with Dawn, right? Like, are you okay? I'm sorry about everything. Dawn's like, that's okay. You should rest. You're beat from monster wrestling all night. And Buffy's like, oh God, and says, right, thanks. So they both leave to go to bed and Dawn is just by herself in the kitchen and she's like, no problem. I'll just go find some awake people. Oh my God, poor Dawn. Like literally both of the adults in her life were like, you weren't worth coming back for. And then they're like, 
go, you know, by Dodd. Like, also, is this the weekend? Does she not have school to go to? I'm confused. I, I feel so bad for Dawn in this episode for many reasons. This is the first part of the reason where I'm like, she's so lonely. And like, she's like, everything she's saying is like, she's crying out for help and no one is noticing. They're all treating her like Giles treated her. <laughs> They, they, Giles's treatment of her really caught on for the rest of the Scoobies. He's a bad influence. But again, like I know that Dawn gets a lot of hate in this fandom, but she shouldn't. I feel nothing but sorrow for her. Willow goes to her room and she lies down in the bed and she tries to use a spell to close the curtains, but it doesn't work. She's tapped out. She's fully clothed. I think she still has her shoes on. She She's does. a monster. She's a monster. She's a monster. Like, I don't care how tired you are. Take off your coat. Maybe shimmy out of your pants. Definitely take your shoes off. Like... Take off your makeup? Like, oh my god, that pillowcase? Ruined. No, but the worst, see, that's the thing. She should be thinking about all that stuff, but instead she's upset that she has to get up and close the curtain. It's like, why don't you remove your heels while you're at it, Willow? Okay, but did you notice, Kara, when she does shut the curtains, (laughs) that there are two masks on either side of the window? And I was like, are these left over from Dead Man's Party Joyce? Hey, Willow lights some likes some cultural appropriation zombie spirits in her bedroom. <laughs> yeah, that's just her and Tara's kink, right? <laughs> like so. Um, was, hey, it, it didn't escape my notice. I was like, hey, wait a second. So Buffy, Xander, and Anya are at the magic box doing the same research from the night before. What time is it? It must be in the afternoon now or something. Because it's like, did Buffy rest? Did she get the rest that she needed? Uh, Xander is saying all these demons are starting to look alike. You got reptiles, reptiles with horns, reptiles with gills. Uh, and he's basically, he's still finding nothing on the Stila diamond and Frieza guy variety. And I was like, is that a joke on the, the show is making about itself? Because there are a lot of snake demons like, that we, that we come across. Um, Anya is absorbed in the text beside him. And Xander notices that she's actually reading wedding magazines. <laughs> can, can I just say Anya's hair? And this whole season has been on point. It looks so good in this scene. What I want to say is clearly the night before Anya went home and did her roots because they were not this bleachy blonde uh, the, the episode before. We stand a girl who keeps her hair up. Like. Exactly. I just love that she did like a nighttime uh, dye job. Love it. Uh, Anya says, I'm sorry, but this is pointless. We've been researching forever and we're not close to finding out who robbed that museum. Xander tells Buffy that Anya's theory is that Martha Stewart froze the guy. And Anya's like, don't be ridiculous. Martha Stewart isn't a demon. She's a witch. (laughs) Xander's like, really? And Anya's like, of course. Nobody can do that much decoupage without calling on the powers of darkness. So Buffy is saying, like, we still have work to do, you guys. And um, again, Buffy's poor little bruised face. Um, Anya says, I know I do. I can't decide whether to put my bridesmaids in cocktail dresses or traditional burlap with blood larva. (laughs) And Kara, I had the same issue when I was planning my wedding. (laughs) I I remember you telling me about this. I think you made the right call not going with the blood larva just because since you had a winter wedding, Mm -hmm. larva probably would have like frozen and died and that just 
would kill the vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is exactly the reason why it, it I makes chose more not to. sense in Sunnydale's warm climate because the larva will be fresh and wriggling. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you, Kara, for pointing that out to me when I was making these plans. <laughs> what would I do without you? <laughs> and I want to add that uh, the winter wedding was not a California winter wedding where <laughs> it's actually quite warm, but people wear jackets. It was a Canadian winter wedding, so that larvae would definitely not have lived. Anya says that, Xander, I was a demon for 1,000 years. You can't expect me to turn my back on all the ways of my people. <laughs> and Poppy's like, can I weigh in on the whole me wearing larva? <laughs> and they're, they're both like, no. Anya says, at least I'm not asking you to perform the groom's right of self-flagellation. Nah, Xander <laughs> just does that on his own. Yeah, that that's, comes for free. Buffy reminds them that something is out there. And Xander says, as much as I hate to admit that my bizarre bride-to-be has a point... Um, fuck you. Shut up, Xander. Yeah, like, this is so fucking rude. Um, he says, we're getting nor- nowhere here, Buff. Maybe it's time to try something new. Hit the streets, get Spike on it. And Buffy's like, no, 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 Spike, no Spike. And no, hit the streets. We stay put, away from the distractions, and we'll figure this out. Anya asks, what about Willow? Can't she do something? And Buffy's like, maybe, but she's home sleeping. She was out late with Amy. And Anya's like, and I'm bizarre? At least I didn't dump you to hang out with my (laughs) ex-rat. And Buffy says, it's not like that. She's just helping Amy through a transition. And Xander says, and making herself a playmate to do magic with. Someone who won't monitor her like Tara. Buffy says, Willow's a grown-up. Maybe she doesn't need to be monitored. She's she's going through something, but we're not her. Maybe she has reasons for acting this way. So what if she crossed a line? We all do stuff. Stupid stuff. Then we learn and we learn and we don't do it again. So who are we to be all judgy? And Xander's like, not judgy buff, just observey. And Anya says, all we're saying is she's acting different. She's not herself. Buffy projecting much? (laughs) So we talked previously about how we thought that Buffy was kind of in denial about Willow's issues because she doesn't want to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Like she straight up just doesn't want that to be an issue here. Um, But because she's projecting so much onto what Willow is going through and like putting her own problems in this problem, I think she just so desperately wants to believe that Willow is fine because if she's not, then she almost has to admit that she's not fine. Right. That she also has a problem. Yeah. And that's something that's really hard to for her to come to terms with. Also, also, here are the Scoobies chatting away, chat, chat, chatting away, but are ultimately doing nothing to help. And now we know why Buffy's not, because like I just said, she's like, if Willow has a problem, that means I have a problem and I don't want to deal with the problem. What's Xander's excuse? (laughs) Right. Like, I'm surprised at you, Xander. If you really think Willow, your best friend, has an issue, why aren't you doing more? This is an excellent point. And I think this might be one of the reasons why so many people find themselves disliking season six. In this season, and we can speculate why, but in this season, the Scoobies don't seem to be looking out for each other the way that they did in earlier seasons. Because you're absolutely right. If this storyline were happening in season two, uh, maybe even season three, maybe even season four, Xander would be all over this. He would be on Willow's case. And he's not because the Scoobies are drifting apart. And maybe that's partly a deliberate choice on the part of the writers here showing us how that's what happens to young adults is they can start drifting apart, especially as these complicated and, and heavy issues arise in their lives. And that's very natural. But I also think that maybe part of it is speaking in terms of 
behind the scenes, Joss Whedon taking this step back as the, you know, he's not the showrunner for season six. Marty Noxon was Um, the move to a different network, like all of these different changes in combination, Tony had leaving the cast, like all of that stuff kind of, I think maybe changes the mix and the chemistry enough that us, the viewers pick up on it. And for those of us who really enjoy the Xander and Willow friendship and dynamic, not having that for so much of this season can be really tough. Yeah. We cut to Amy and Willow walking the streets of Sunnydale. So it's now the next night. Or is it? Is it this night? This night, it, yes. That's what yeah. I mean. Like it's, but we went it's, from it being the middle of the day to nighttime. Yeah. Yes, yes. So Amy's like, what can we do that's going to top last night? And Willow says, I don't know if I can. I felt awful today and I couldn't do magic. Took me all day to get my powers back. I think we should just take it easy. (laughs) Amy does not want to take it easy. She says, I know this guy and he knows spells that will last for days. And the burnout factor is like nothing. Willow asks, is he a warlock? Amy says, I guess. (laughs) This guy will blow your mind. He will take you to places that you can't even imagine. Willow asks if it's dangerous. And Amy, to Amy's credit, she doesn't directly lie to Willow. She just says, would that stop you? And I think we know the answer. Amy has somehow become a master at manipulating Willow. Because remember in the last episode, she was like, are you going to stay home alone like you used to? Or are you going to come out and party with me? And now she's like, you think it's dangerous? Is it because he can't handle it? You know, like she's... She's scary manipulative. Yes, she's manipulating Willow because she wants her fix, as we're going to see in a moment. So they eventually find their way to an alleyway that appears to be empty, deserted, nothing of interest. Amy says, this is it. And Willow's like, where? I thought you said the guy lives around here. Amy says, he does. You can't feel it? Amy holds Willow's hand up and says, here. Willow says, it's hot. And Amy says, come on, and backs away smiling and then disappears into thin air. Uh, So Willow follows Amy, having her hand outstretched, you know, and then she disappears into a cloaked waiting room. So the whole building was cloaked, hidden from from view. Sorry, there's a thunderstorm, so you're going to hear rain and stuff and thunder in the background. I closed my window earlier, so it's not as loud, but that, that was a loud one. So they're in a waiting room. There are people sitting around. They're looking like dejected, rough tired drained Mm -hmm. amy's like this is cool isn't it (laughs) she explains that it's cloaked and it moves around and that this keeps rack out of trouble and willow's like who's rack which valid question rack emerges from the back room (laughs) mother (laughs) it's great like i thought he sounded familiar (laughs) so he approaches them two people who are already in the waiting room uh, they're like fighting over whose turn it is. Rack just completely ignores him and says, I believe these two were next. He means Amy and Willow. So they join him in his back room. Amy thanks him. She's very obsequious. She says, I know it's been a while. You'll never believe. And Rack's like, you were a rat. <laughs> and Amy says, how do you know? And Rack says, I told you not to mess with spells you couldn't handle. You should leave that in the hands of a professional. And then... As he's saying this, he's kind of moving his hands around and they're sparking with glowing red sparky things. Uh, And Willow is very uncertain about what she's getting herself into. Rack says, this one's giving off vibes. 
And Willow says, I, I, I don't mean to vibe at you if it's in a negative way. So cute. Rack says, no, I mean, you, you have power, girl. It's just coming off you in waves. And he, like, he says it like he's relishing it. It's very creepy. Mm-hmm. So Willow says, not so much. I can do stuff, but I get tapped out quick. And I've used practically every spell I know. Rack says, what do you want me to do about that? And Willow says, I don't know. Amy said, Rack says, Amy said I could help you. But did Amy say how you could help me? And Willow says, no, I have some money. Do you, Willow? Do you have money? Because I feel like that money should go to rent. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So <laughs> thank you. I was going to bring this point up later when Willow offers to buy Don dinner and a movie. Because I'm uh-huh. like, where are you getting this money from? Are you still getting an allowance from your parents, Willow? That's the only thing I can think of because she has not worked a day in her life. Mm, shady, shady stuff. So Rack, you know, is like, I don't want your money. Um, and then Willow offers to help with his computer. Oh, poor, poor innocent Willow. Uh, Rack approaches and he's like, relax. I'm not going to hurt you. You've got to give a little to get a little, right? And Willow again is skeeved out by this, as she should be. Mm-hmm. And Amy says, it's okay. It's over fast. And Rack says, that's right. I'm just going to take a little tour. And he puts his hand on Willow's chest and it, glows red and sparks and they both feel a surge of power and Rack pulls away. He leans forward and he whispers in Willow's ear and I gagged, Steph, I gagged. Mm -hmm. Tastes like strawberries. (laughs) That's the second reference this season to I just want to taste you. (laughs) Like what is going on with these? No, the third. It's It's the third because yeah. so Justin told Don, I just want to taste you. Spike told Buffy he knows like he's tasted where she lives now. And now Rack is telling Willow like you taste like strawberries. Marty Nelson has a thing about tasting. What can I tell you? Um, Okay, so this is the first time in all my watches that I've caught on to the sexual favor element of this interaction. I don't think I caught that before. Okay. Did you pick up on that too? Like when he's like, you got to give a little to get a little. I never pick up on that stuff, Steph. Yeah, Um, but I'm I'm just wondering. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think my interpretation is adjacent to that. Clearly, there are sexual undertones to this experience. I think what we have to keep in mind, and I'm not speaking from a place of personal experience with this, but from what I've read and from what I gather from people I know, including family members who are close to me who've gone through issues with substance use and addiction, when you're using, that can often be conflated like the high from that and the the endorphins and the adrenaline that you feel, that can be conflated with the same kind of pleasure experience you get from having sex. And so I think what the show is doing is the way Rack is interacting with Willow, like, it, yes, it is undoubtedly sexual in nature. But I, I think what he's trying to say is it's like, you have to give me something, right? Like, and, and his currency isn't money, it's power. He's taking some of her power. He's tasting her power, and it, it tastes like strawberries, apparently. And th- there are sexual overtones to that because he's a huge creep, and he's doing it in a very sexual way. But really what he's doing is he's taking the currency that Willow can pay him in. Apparently, he doesn't accept kittens. And he's going to give her a taste of his magic in return. 
So this is a drug deal right now. It's, it's I don't see it as a sex job. Is that what you call yeah, it? Because, you, you know, sometimes when um, you want, let's say, drugs, you could give them a blowjob, right? Yes, exactly. How did you know? Um, <laughs> no. I, no, I hear what you're saying. I'm not yeah. trying to deny or invalidate that interpretation. I'm mm. just saying that I think, I think the show is going for something a little bit more like more emphasis on the creep factor of it rather than, oh, Willow, you know, is prostituting herself for drugs at this point. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I don't you. think the no, show no. is trying to give us that <laughs> message. No, but I, I think the parallel can definitely be there. That's what I was reading into this time around. And mm. that's why it was creeping me out because when Amy was going to this guy, she was still in high school, right? So when you add right. that layer of like, you know, the maybe the metaphor is that instead of, you know, sexual favors, it's like that you're giving each other power. Um, it's creepy. Like you said, it's creepy, creepy, but creepy. But would Rack have ever done this to Amy? Because it sounds like from what we see in the next couple of scenes, she doesn't have what he wants. Well, maybe he tried and then he's like, no, nope, not good enough. <laughs> no strawberries for you. <laughs> you taste like rat. <laughs> so we cut to... Amy's spinning around. She's tripping. Um, Rack is watching her. Uh, he's playing with the magic in his hands. And he looks up and Willow is suspended on the ceiling. Very like exorcist, ghostly style, you know, like she's lying on the ceiling. And she's in a hallucination. She's imagining a, a peaceful field. Steph says in her notes, it must be Rugs Field. And I agree. <laughs> It's the only field in Sunnydale. Um, but then as she as she's like enjoying this piece... She sees there's a body being dragged through the field. And then there's like a jump scare to a red demon screaming at her. And then she falls from the ceiling to the ground, which must hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and her eyes are all black. Um, and then she's at the bronze and then the magic box. And then she wakes up and she's on the floor of her room at home. <sighs> so, so this is clearly, you know, very obviously paralleling a drug trip. Yeah. And, and Rack is representing her loss of control here, right? Like, um... Like, did she go to the bronze mm -hmm. and to the magic shop last night? Or did she just go in her dream? Like, what, like she's all over the place. And what's scary about this Rack character is that he's making it seem like we're exchanging power. And he's making Willow feel like she's very powerful in the moment when she's high. Uh, but she's actually very vulnerable, right? Um, not just because she's a woman and because she's young. But as an addict, Rack is tapping into this part of her. And of course, she's going to want to go back later. And of course, Rack is representing that classic dealer. And in my opinion, this time around, I was thinking pimp like type. Um, and that's scary. So we yeah. cut to we cut to Willow in the shower. And this was sad. Like she's she's trying to collect herself in the shower and she's panting and she's crying. And again, because I like this time around, I was just reading into the sexual nature of what's going on here. And the way she's naked in the shower now, like, you know, maybe she's trying to wash off the events of last night and what she had to do to get the power. Yeah, well, she's also coming down, right? And yeah. that experience, like physically, her body feels drained and empty. And like, I agree with you. But I just I want to emphasize that, like, there are physiological reactions here to using. And I think that's what the show is trying to emphasize here is that Willow using magic at this point has become a physiological dependency for her. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what this is showing. Um, I'm also seeing that parallel with what Buffy's going through because Buffy keeps putting herself in Willow's shoes. Well, 
we could see Willow as doing this because she possibly feels violated from what happened last night. So um, back in her room, uh, Willow pulls out one of Tara's dresses that uh, she had left behind and she magics it to take Tara's shape on the bed and then she cuddles with it. And um, I don't know how you felt about this, Kara. I, it, it creeped me out at first, right? Like I think we're supposed to think it's sweet because she misses Tara and that's what she does to like get her through this um, come down. But uh, it actually, it made me feel so bad for Tara in remembering that Willow has now put a spell on Tara twice in the past that we know of. Now we see her like magicking this outfit to be the shape of Tara and like put that in her place. Yeah. You know, what would she do to have a place, a replacement of Tara when Tara doesn't consent to be there? Well, she kind of, you know, creates this little thing to hold her. I just see it as sad. Like... Even somebody like me who's not ever been in a romantic relationship, I do things to remind me of people I miss, right? And like sniffing people's clothes, not their panties, but just like, you know, like the scent of somebody, right? The memory of somebody. Willow's doing that to a slightly more reifying degree because she has access to magic. If I had access to magic, would I animate, you know? somebody's clothing and make it look like it's inflated probably not um but like what i feel really is just pity for willow like she's hitting a low point she's lost the person in her life that would have provided her with that stability and that sucker and she knows like she knows that she's screwed up she knows that she's messed up she doesn't know what to do about it she's like i I, how do i ask for help how do i tell people i need help because if I admit to people that I need help, I'm admitting that if I failed. And we have to remember, Willow is the only child of, as far as we can tell, two very successful university-educated professors. And it, you know she's always been pressured to do well academically. So for her to succumb to a substance use issue becomes a point of pride for her. She has never failed at anything in her life. And so she is feeling so incredibly weak right now. And she thinks, I can't turn to any, I can't even turn to my friends. Because if she does that and she admits that she actually has a problem, this becomes, you know, in her mind, it's it's not just the end of her relationship with Tara. It's, it's the end of Willow Rosenberg as the perfect person that she's always tried to be. And that's huge for her. Mm-hmm. So we cut to downstairs. Dawn is burning her fingers on the stove because she's making quesadillas. Okay. So has Dawn been cooking all day? Is Has this been how she spent her day? Is she just, she went from pancakes, like burning pancakes to burning quesadillas. What else has she done? What else has she cooked in the kitchen today? Someone take care of Dawn. I mean, earlier this season, she was mixing cereal. <laughs> like, Jesus, somebody get her. <laughs> like dinner. some kind of hooligan. <laughs> like, get her chicken in a bucket stat. So... Willow comes in. She's like, or you could try it the hard way because Dawn says spatulas are for wimps. Uh, What she's making is a peanut butter and banana quesadilla. um, And she offers Willow one. She says, no, I'm in water mood. Dawn says, it's my own brand new invention. Willow says, her tummy's feeling rumbly. Uh, Dawn says, your loss, very delicious. Lies. Buffy called. Uh, she says she's going straight from the magic box to do some patrolling. Willow's like, does she need help? And Don says, no. She was calling to check in for the 10th time today. I think she's feeling Joan Crawford because of the other night. Willow says, about that, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have assumed Buffy would be here. And Don says, 
assume would make an ass out of me or something. <laughs> anyway, it's cool. It's not like I even needed Tara to stay over. I'm so totally fine on my own. But you're going to be around tonight, right? And Will's like, totally. We can do something if you want. A movie, maybe? Don's like, really? But I thought you weren't feeling so good. And Will's like, well, nothing a little Donny time won't fix. If you feel like begging the peanut butter, I'll even buy you dinner. So that's your point about money there, Kara. My thing was that, Don, you saw a movie last night. I think it was a, or like two nights ago, whatever it was. It was, I think it was a Keanu Reeves movie. So what are you going to go see tonight? Don says, thank God, remind me never to invent this again. Yuck. And Willow says, okay, uh, this will be great. I'll grab the paper and see what's playing. Oh my God, Cara, do you remember checking the paper for movie listings? I do. I remember checking the paper to find out what was on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I remember calling famous players and you oh, get the message that. that told you what times each but if you at. didn't get the message you might have to talk to a human being and i was not willing <laughs> to take that risk i'm braver than you <laughs> I, I won't no i don't dispute that at all you are braver than me <laughs> don says i'll leave a note for buffy on the refrigerator that's the first place she goes after patrolling she's such a pig after she kills things hungry and horny don you'll understand Okay, but like Buffy said in season three that she likes to eat a non-fat yogurt <laughs> after she patrols. So which is it? <laughs> I'll believe Dawn here. I think she's telling the truth. Dawn is the patroller of the kitchen and the food. That's for sure. She's the one that's making breakfast after breakfast all day. <laughs> so Buffy comes home. Unknown time, like 10 minutes after they left. I don't know what time it is. Uh, we just assume later that night. Here's something I really noticed, Kara is that Buffy, in the rest of this episode, is wearing hoop earrings. Now, I give Buffy a pass on her wardrobe a lot. Like, you and I comment on it, some of the ridiculous things she wears when she was slaying, especially when she was younger. But you know what? That's just Buffy slaying, you know, slaying the fashion game. Wearing hoop earrings is where I draw the line, okay? Because I don't even wear hoop earrings because I have a five-month-old at home, <laughs> you know? Like, do you know how easy... Like, they get, get caught on clothes, on buttons. Do you know how easy a hoop earring can be snatched out of your ear uh, and ripped, rip your earlobe open? Come on, Buffy, have some sense. Uh, she hears something smash upstairs as so she goes upstairs looking for Willow or Dawn, and she noticed that somebody has ransacked Willow's room. And who is it? It's Amy the rat. So Buffy slams Amy against the door. She's like, what's going on? And Amy's like, busted. And Buffy's like <laughs> shaking her and it's like, where's Willow? And she grabs a bag of something out of Amy's hands. And Amy's like, it's not what you think it is. It's sage. And Buffy's like, that is what I think it is. <laughs> you kids these days and you're sage. <laughs> like, I think Buffy had every right to be mad if Amy was actually stealing Joyce's supply of weed because... That's Joyce's, and that belongs to Buffy, <laughs> rightfully. I, th I think Buffy is mad because she read the same article that Vice published many, many years in her future that I read, which talked about how there's a problem with yuppies, white people, over-harvesting white sage in the States when, in fact, this is a sacred med medicine that many different indigenous nations require for performing ceremonies. And maybe us white people should stop taking all the sage to burn it to quote unquote smudge in our houses. Mm. I think so. I think Buffy is really just, you know, she's she, she's done a lot of like cultural sensitivity training since season four's issue with the Shumash warrior. So now she's like, I know better. I know that it's not, you know, it's not great that we're using all this sage. 
that's why I'm upset. That's clearly the issue here. Yeah, I agree. Buffy is such a champion. <laughs> Buffy says, what's going on? Where's Willow and Dawn? Amy tries to distract Buffy by talking about her coat. I was like, Amy, talk about the hooped earrings. Buffy says, they didn't get you in. Uh, they didn't let you in. Amy says, not that they know of. And Buffy's like, what else did you take? And he's like, nothing. And Buffy slams her against the wall again. She's like, what else? And she goes through her pockets. And I don't know what she pulls out. Like, I didn't, like, it went to buy too quickly. Like, a bunch of little baggies of other, like, things. Amy says, please, I need this stuff. Willow wants me to have it. She understands. And Buffy says, understands what? Breaking into people's houses for kitchen spices? I don't think so. Amy says, well, you should. She's as bad as I am. Worse. I bet she's at racks right now. Buffy says, racks? Amy's like, it's a place. He does spells, heavy stuff. Willow's his new, new favorite. And Buffy shakes her head and says, she's there with Dawn. And Amy says, don't shake me again, super, super strength. I think I'm going to boot. And Buffy says, tell me where this place is and I won't. Amy says, it's downtown, but it moves. I'm not sure where it would be tonight. And Buffy says, tell me how to find it. And Amy says, you have to feel it out. And then she runs off to puke in the bathroom. So... Amy is playing the uh, like the other role of an addict here, right? Um, I think it's interesting that she's scurrying around their house like a rat because she just, you know, stopped becoming a rat. But yeah, that that's the interpretation I'm getting from her, right? It's just that she's the, the kind of addict yeah. that's looking for anything and everything to help her get high or help or something that can help her buy more drugs. How do we feel about the use of Amy's character in this way, because I know she featured in uh, only like she was a, a bit player in several episodes, but she really only featured in Witch, uh, Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered and then Gingerbread. Right. And so like I I do think this is believable for Amy's character that she would become some kind of magic addict. Do we like this turn for her? Like, there's a part of me that feels sorry for her. But then again, like, her mom wasn't around to help her figure out her magic after, you know, being turned into a trophy. I don't know. How do you feel, Steph? I think, again, for me, it just happened too quickly. Because the way she's acting in this episode, and we only saw her again the last episode, I would have to believe that she was addicted back in season three as well. Because that's the escalation of what happened over the last two episodes, right? So that's why it's hard for me to believe. And that's also why I think another episode right in the middle, like a little buffer episode, would have been better for me to be on board with Amy's character. Yeah, that, that's how I feel about it. I, I don't feel one way or the other whether I think they mistreated her character at all because we didn't know her well enough. But um, bringing her back to suit this specific purpose was an interesting choice. Um, I don't know what else they could have brought her back for, right? Like, oh, oh, we got Amy another witch again. Like, I guess it does suit Willow's storyline to see, uh, to have someone introduce her to the darker side of of being a witch, right? So someone had to guide her. I am glad that they brought back someone more familiar to us and not just some new witch that happened to have something in common with Willow, similar to what they did with Veruca with Oz back in season four, right? I, I think it, I like that they brought in somebody we know. That is, that is an excellent point that I hadn't considered. Thank you. You're welcome, Kara. Always here for you. <laughs> so meanwhile, uh, Willow and Don are wandering the streets. That seems to be a theme in this episode, right? Willow and somebody mm-hmm. wandering the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, Don's happy. She's got a burger. And she says, it was like a meat party in my mouth. <laughs> Which I, I love. Because then she says, okay, now I'm just a kid. And even I know that I came out wrong. And then she's like, you should have had something, Willow. And Willow says, I will. I'm, I'm saving myself for popcorn. 
uh, which again is another very common behavior among people with substance use issues is depending on what type of substance use they they have they may binge or they may abstain right it's very common to restrict or otherwise have like disordered eating related to substance use because you're really just chasing that next fix and you're not always taking care of your other needs, right? Mm-hmm. Willow asks Don, she's like, the other day, she's referring to hanging out with Tara, you had fun? And Don is confused. And she's like, give me a Monday or a Friday here, something to work with. Willow clarifies and Don says, oh, it was nice, but it wasn't a laugh riot. She's sad and everything. I can just tell by the way she was acting. This is super unfair of Willow to be asking this of Don. Like oh, yeah. that, you don't you don't ask your kid. And I'm sorry, but Don is Willow and Tara's kid at this point. It's official, right? They adopted mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Um, you don't ask your kid how. Like it's okay to ask them if they had a good time with the, your ex, right? Like that's fine. But like Willow is clearly doing it in a way that's like digging for details about Tara, and that is shady as fuck. Yeah, it's really awkward to put the kid in the middle like that. Yeah. So Willow, this is Willow prying now. She's like, oh, I, you know, Don's like, are you okay? And Willow says, I'm fine. And then she says, so Tara's in a new place and everything? She's all settled in? And Don is just ignoring her, which good for you, Don. And she's looking around. She's like, is this the way to the movies? And Willow says, oh, I took you the long way around, but we're almost there. I just have to make one quick stop first. So Willow walks Don right into Rack's place and Don's like, what the fuck? Wouldn't you? Kara, wouldn't you? If I was like, Absolutely. I'm going to bring you somewhere. And it's like a secret lair in the middle of nowhere. Especially if you promised me popcorn for the movies and we don't get popcorn. <laughs> Willow says, I don't know. It's cool, isn't it? You hang here for a minute. I'll be right back. You want me to conjure you a magazine or something? And Don's like, but what about the movie? It starts at nine. Uh, Which, are you letting Don stay up way past nine on a school night, Willow? What the fuck is wrong with you? Is it a school night? I don't know. What day is it? Is it it Saturday? (laughs) It must be Saturday. Because otherwise, yeah, because Don's got to be able to sleep in tomorrow. Uh, Willow says, oh, we'll make it. I'll just be a minute. It doesn't matter if we miss the trailers. <sighs> Willow then disappears into the back room. Notice how she doesn't wait for Rack to come out. She's like, I can just walk right in. And Don is left to say, I like the trailers. Oh, Don. Same, Don. That's same. Steph, you and I, same way. That's literally what I thought. I think I, what did I put in my notes? I said, I like the trailers too, Don. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to, like, the likelihood of me going on YouTube and watching a trailer isn't very high, but I love watching them on the big screen. I find it so fun. Also, just a little note about movie theater things. Um, do you know what is, like, probably my top three biggest pet peeves of all time, Kara? Ooh, ooh, give me a top three. I love a good top three list. Number three. No, it's probably number two, honestly. It's, it's, it's when people are on their phones in the movie theater. Okay, but but give me number three and number one then. No, you have to earn those. <laughs> Excuse me, have I not been doing a podcast with you for two two and a half years now? Sorry, like, what? The listeners have to earn those. 
<laughs> to unlock them. Okay, you better you better tell me after we're done this recording. Oh, for sure, for sure. But like, just I mean, people don't do it, okay? Because if I was in the theater, I might turn into a Karen and just rage. <laughs> Seb doesn't understand the level of anger I get when I see a phone in the new in the movie theater. But would, I, I just would you can't. be a Karen or would you be a red panda? Oh, I'd be a red panda. Ooh, I'd go right up to you. I'd be like, "Can you turn your phone off?" Ooh, I don't. I don't care what's on Snapchat right now. I'm watching a oh, movie. You Ooh, youths. you youths, you kids, and your mobiles. Like, I get so mad. I'm actually getting mad thinking about it right now. <laughs> oh, you can see stuff right now. <laughs> You're gonna be such a crotchety old lady. I can't wait. <laughs> don't do it. So. It's now 10.05, Kara. Okay, Dawn's been waiting there for well over an hour. I would say she's probably been waiting for an hour and a half. Oh, a man sits next to her on the couch and she gets creeped out as she should. And she walks to the other side of the room. Good girl. Um, and she looks really upset. Yeah, like, why are you sitting next to this clearly underage girl, my dude? That's actually, we're unlocking my third biggest pet peeve in the world. And that's when you're sitting somewhere public and a creep-ass dude sits right next to you. There's a whole bench on the other side of the room that he could have sat on. Nope, sits right next to her. Ooh, that makes me mad. Ooh. <laughs> In Rack's room, he is saying, what do you think, Strawberry? Can you handle more? Ooh. So he is looking up at Willow, who's floating in a red energy circle, is what I said. <laughs> she's high as fuck uh, and she's hallucinating uh, in space or maybe she is in space Kara I don't know but she's like reaching out for the moving stars and then suddenly the red demon appears and he's holding a girl and Willow screams and Rack laughs so um, we cut to Spike who is sleeping naked in bed Buffy throws a candle at him <laughs> to wake him up and she says god do you sleep through anything i was yelling and, and and nothing spike says i'm a little bit knackered had a long night someone should teach you how to use candles in foreplay love and um because he sits up and he's naked we really see again like all of the bruises and scratch marks that are on him right uh buffy throws clothes at him and says get dressed dawn's missing and spike's like again everything about a low jack for the girl what's the story must be tuesday <laughs> I, I, I do like i do like how they're like emphasizing that this is way too common yeah right i mean i think that like out of the 10 episodes at least five of them she's been missing <laughs> so uh buffy says she went out with willow spike says willow that's kind of a sorry excuse to come by if you want the touch all you need to do is Ooh, the touch <laughs> buffy says spike willow's into something her and Don have been missing for hours. There's some guy named Rack. And Spike's like, I know who he is. He deals in magic, black stuff, dangerous. And then Buffy says, I've been all over downtown and I can't find his place. Spike says, because he cloaks it. You can't feel it unless you're into the big bad or a witch or a vampire. And Buffy says, so let's go. Spike gets up and Buffy turns her head because she doesn't want to look at his naked body. And he's like, oh, that's right. Hide your blushing eyes. Back at Rack's. Dawn is checking the clock. It's now 10 to 11. Holy shit. This girl, like, I don't know, Kara. I don't, I, I'm pretty sure if I was 15, I would also have just stayed. Yeah. Like, what is done? She doesn't know where she is. Yeah. Like, does that door even work if you just walk out of it? Yeah. Can you just, like, walk through it? Like, the platform 
nine and three quarters. <laughs> like, like what? How's it work? There could be more creepy men out there. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So I feel bad for her because like, I, I do think I would have stayed as well. She's about to walk into the back room when Willow comes out and it's like, hey, Donnie, it's movie time. And Don's yeah. like, do you know how... I know. Don's like, do you know how long I've been out here? It's too late for the movie. And that guy smells like... And that's when she notices Willow's black eyes. Um, and she asks her if she's okay. So this is actually... I've always liked this look for... I, I guess we'll call her stoned Willow. <laughs> but like when her eyes go black, that's when she's like deep into the magic. Um, I always think it just looks really cool. But obviously it's representing when you get high and your eyes dilate, your pupils dilate. Mm -hmm. Willow says... Um, that she's fine. Let's get out of here. And outside, Willow is asking Dawn what she wants to do. And she's like, cutie. And Dawn says, it's late. I just want to go home. And Willow's like, no way. I said we were going to have fun and we're going to have fun. And someone is watching them from behind. Something's following them. And Dawn says, I'm serious. I think we should just get out of here. And Willow mimics her, right? And you think we just get out of here? Uh, she says, Donnie, it's time to, gr it's grown up time. Do you want to play with the grown ups or not? And Dawn says, why are you acting this way? And Willow says, don't get all weird on me. We're fine. Everything's fine. But we see again that the demon is stalking them. Yeah. Wandering the streets of, as well. <laughs> Everyone's just wandering the streets tonight. Spike and Buffy are looking. Buffy's asking Spike if he senses anything. He's like, I would if you stop asking me every two seconds. Buffy says, Spike, if you're dragging this out. And Spike says, like what? So I can linger near your precious self? Get a grip. And Buffy says, like you've never drawn things out before? <laughs> Good point, Buffy. Spike says, maybe. But we've been through this, haven't we? Things have changed. And Buffy says, will you quit that? The only thing that's different is that I'm disgusted with myself. That's the power of your charms. Last night was the most perverse, degrading experience of my life. And Spike's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> so Buffy says, that might be how you get off, but it's not my style. And Spike says, no, it's your calling. Gave me a run for my money, Slayer. I admit it. You've had me by the short hairs. I love you. You know that. I got my rocks back. You felt something last night. Buffy says, not love. And Spike says, not yet. But I'm in your system now. You're going to crave me like I crave blood. And the next time you come calling, if you don't stop being such a bitch, maybe I will bite you. And Buffy says, that's it. I want you out of my life, out of my work, out of my home. And Spike says, too late, pet. You invited me in already. Ask for your work. You need me like tonight. <sighs> okay, so Spike, please fucking leave. Like, just just leave. I, we know he's not going yeah. to, right? He's, he's in. He's in. He's not going to leave. But when he says, I've got my rocks back, right? Like, yeah, I've had the short... Uh, you've had me by the short hairs, but now I've got my rocks back. He's basically saying that he now has power in this relationship, right? He's got mm -hmm. power over Buffy, and I hate it. I hate it. Because she had emasculated him really since his introduction in Schoolheart. Like, let's be real. Um... That's when she first cut his balls off. And he's been trying to get them back since then. Um, no, but like you said, in all seriousness, it's gross because, yes, in this moment, he is representing all of these toxic men who see women as objects to be conquered, right? And if he's not on top, metaphorically, he's losing and he, he's not a real man. And it's, it's, you know, it's interesting from a psychological point of view to watch all of this, but like, it's also very gross. Yeah. 
And I really hate that now that he feels that he has power over her, he is constantly belittling her. Well, I, I think he thinks he has to do that because he's playing into the whole, you're not worth anything anymore, right? You're not human. You're less than human. And that's why you're with an awful creature like yeah. me. So this is this is, this is part of his kink, right? And the problem here is not the the trash talking right like that if that's somebody's kink that's valid it's the fact that he's doing it to her without her real consent in order to gaslight her and manipulate her into sleeping with him yeah like he will do and say everything he can to break her down continuing to break her down and isolate her from her friends and he continues to remind her that she came back wrong which was such a triggering sentence for her in the last episode and he's doing this because he knows that she'll want him around as long as she's miserable so he's keeping her miserable and that just it's just oh uh, it just i just hurt for buffy don saying to willow that she's serious she says, I'm going home. And Willow says, then go. God, I thought we were going to hang. Don says, you're not going with me? Willow says, I don't know. Maybe I could just pop you back. And Don says, with magic? She scoffs. Then they hear there's a growl. And Don's like, what's that? I'm getting out of here. And Willow says, Donnie, don't. It was probably a cat or something like that. Willow's acting very strangely. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the demon from Willow's hallucinations pops out in front of them. And Willow's like, it's fine. He's not real. And Don's like, uh, he seems very real. And the demon, who has like the silliest voice ever, is like, you summoned me, witch. <laughs> and Willow says, I didn't. And the demon says, did you raise hell with your magics? And then he scratches Don's face. He tastes it because it's all about the tasting we've decided apparently. And he says, fresh. This is a weird demon. Like, I just got up with that. They're like, what is going on here? Yeah, they're just, we're going to get this red demon that it likes fresh blood to get them. <laughs> like, what? So Willow says, don't. She has nothing to do with it. It was just me. And the demon's like, yes. <laughs> and before he could get anything else out, Dawn of all people kicks him. Uh, literally, like, with enough force to get him into the garbage cans across the alley. Don Glover, you, like, that yes. was a powerful kick. That, like, he went flying. Good for her. Yeah. And it gives them the time to run away, and they're running down the street, but uh, Don says, he's coming, he's too fast. So they approach a car, and Willow decides, I'm going to commit Grand Theft Auto, why not? So she magic, she commands the car doors to open, they get in, she commands it to drive, the demon's chasing them, but and she's not like she's not steering by hand. She's using magic to to steer the the vehicle. Dawn's screaming. Willow's high again. She's whooping. She's laughing. She says to the demon, "Take that, scuzz!" And then, because she's not paying attention, the car crashes into a wall. Oof. And it is brutal. It's horrific. Yeah. I don't like it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're not wearing seatbelts. So the car's totaled. Yep. So that's great. I'm I feel bad for who who whose ever car this is. Willow's passed out. Dawn's bleeding from her head. Her arm appears to be hurt. She finally, she wrangles herself out of this car. She walks around to check on Willow. The demon attacks her. She tries to crawl under the car. Good for her. He drags her out. She's screaming. Fortunately, Buffy and Spike are near enough to hear her. 
Dawn grabs a handful of dirt, throws it in the demon's eyes. Amazing. Right? She tries to run. He grabs her again. He throws her 15 feet away, but she must have the same plot armor that Xander does. (laughs) And then he's about to get her when Buffy comes at him and starts to fight him. Cue a fight scene with very obvious use of Buffy's stunt double. Steph has in her notes, it's a good fight. At one point, she does this flying high kick. She should do that more often. <laughs> she she should, okay? Because we, we were in the very first episode, like the pilot. Buffy like jumped over a fence, like she flew over it. And like sometimes she flies. And like we, this, this reminded me of that. I was like, she hasn't flown in a long time. Right. So as this fight goes on, suddenly the demon just starts to hyperventilate. And Buffy's like, now you're scared? Better late than never. And that's when the demon is like, and just spontaneously combusts. <laughs> so random, so weird. Yeah. So Willow walks up behind it. Her eyes are black. Her hands are sparking. So we're clearly supposed to think she's the one who killed this demon. And Buffy staring at Willow. But then she goes to Dawn, who's obviously crying. And Spike and Buffy help Dawn up and, and help her out of wherever they are. It's like at some abandoned building again or something (laughs) yeah (laughs) willow says oh god there's blood no shit willow buffy says we need to get her to a doctor willow says is she okay and buffy says back off will i got her spike and buffy help don walk away willow calls out after them donnie which please don't please don't call her donnie Please use her full name of Donathan Summers. <laughs> That's Donathan to you, Willow. But Buffy says, I mean it. Stay away from her. Uh, Willow gets in front of them and she's crying. She says, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. It was an accident. I didn't see. I'm so, so sorry. Don responds by slapping Willow in the face. <sighs> Look, Chef's kiss. I don't condone violence. But in this case, I do. <laughs> like, she deserved the slap. Well, it's very similar to when Buffy slapped Dawn, right? And again, mm-hmm. we're not, like, obviously that kind of behavior can be extremely toxic and abusive. I think Dawn gets a pass, given that Willow could have just got her killed and almost certainly has broken her arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a heavy slap. It's like a little, it's, it's like a, a little light pat. Little it's like a pat. It's no big deal. Rest in peace, Pat. <laughs> so Willow continues to cry. And she's screaming, Donnie, Donnie, don't. I'm so sorry. It's very, like, it's embarrassing for her. But Al Stanigan is doing a good job. The three of them are walking away from Willow. She collapses to the ground. She's still crying and apologizing. So Spike keeps walking away with Don while Buffy turns back and approaches Willow. She says, get up. Willow says, I screwed up everything, Tara. And Buffy says, you know what? You did screw up. You could have killed her. You almost did. And Willow's saying, I know, I know, I can't stop Buffy. I've tried, and I can't. And Buffy says, you can't. And Willow says, I can't, I can't. God, I need help. Please, please help me. And she cries, and she hugs Buffy, and she repeats, please, over and over. And Buffy puts a hand on her back. (sighs) This is so unfair. Willow brings Buffy back from heaven, and now Buffy has to be the adult in the room? Like... Yeah, and this is exactly what Buffy was trying to avoid, right? She's like, she's fine, she's fine. And then here's Willow breaking down in Buffy's arms, right? So we cut to Willow uh, in her bedroom. She's clearly had a shower. She's now wearing a blanket. I can't tell 
but I'm, I'm assuming her boots are not on the bed, but you know what? We don't know. Buffy comes in and she says Dawn is sleeping. The ER doc gave her something for the pain that knocked her out. And I was like, Cara, the ER doctor from season three is finally like, he can, he can finally blame drugs on something. <laughs> Instead of being like, have you guys been doing drugs? It's like, yes, <laughs> Some of, one of us did. Finally. So Willow says, but she's going to be all right. And Buffy says, it's a fracture. It's going to take some time. Will says, God, I'm so sorry. And Buffy says, I just don't understand. I don't understand why you'd get to see somebody like Rack. And I certainly don't understand why you dragged Dawn into it. And Willow says, I don't know the magic. I thought I had it under control and then I didn't. And Buffy asks, because of Tara? And Willow says, no, it started before she left. It's why she left. So Buffy says, it seemed like things were going so well. Willow says, it was. But you know, if you could be the plain old Willow and, or Super Willow, who would you be? I guess you don't have an option on the super thing. And Buffy says, Will, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't need magic to be special. Will says, don't I? Buffy, who was I? Just some girl. Tara didn't even know that girl. And that's a point. But I was like, Oz knew that girl, Willow, right? Like you were noticed when you felt like you were no one. Like Buffy noticed you. Oz noticed you. Like it, it happened. Buffy says, you are more than some girl, and Tara wants you to stop. She loves you. Willow says, we don't know that. And Buffy says, I know that. I promise you. And Willow says, it took me away from myself. I was free. And Buffy says, I get that more than you. But Buffy is not ready to share her side of this. So she just sits on the bed with Willow and says, it's wrong. People get hurt. And Willow says, if something bad happened to Dawn tonight, something worse, Buffy says, I know. Willow says, I don't think you do. I was out of my mind. I did things. I can't even... And we get a close-up on Buffy's face. We know that she's projecting her own experience onto this right now. Willow says, it won't happen again, I promise. No more spells. I'm finished. Buffy says, good. I think it's right to give it up, no matter how good it feels. And Willow says, it's not worth it. Not if it messes with the people I love. Magic wasn't all great. I won't miss the nosebleeds and headaches and stuff. Or keeping stinky yak cheese in my bra. Don't ask. And Buffy's like, well, now I don't have to. And Willow says, because it's over? Buffy says, exactly. It's over. The framing of this conversation, the way Buffy is looking down, but Willow can't see her looking down. We can only see her because of the way the camera's pointed. It's great because clearly they're, they're actually having two conversations here. Buffy is also trying to convince herself that this thing with Spike is over for the same reasons. But Willow doesn't know about that. And Buffy's not about to tell her now. Yeah, Buffy still doesn't feel comfortable sharing with Willow. So we, the last two scenes are, um, the first one is Willow having withdrawals in her bed. Like it looks like she's going through withdrawal. So this time around, I thought that the metaphor for the magic being drugs in this episode was very heavy handed. Like you said, it's not subtle, right? In this episode. But I think something that's a little inconsistent for me, or maybe didn't get into it enough, maybe it will in the future, I don't know, was the fact that the issue of what Willow's going through. It's not so much her addiction to magic to me, it's her identity crisis. It's her insecurity. And it's also her growing need for power. Now, Willow has had this issue for the past couple episodes, especially in season six, of controlling the people around her using magic, right? That's Tara, that's Buffy. When they make the problem just the fact that she's using magic, but not why she's using it or what she's using it for specifically, I wonder if that's a missed opportunity. 
because she's addicted to changing herself. She's addicted to changing her life and the people in it. So if she stops doing magic, that need will go away too. Or is that something else that she really needs to dive into? See, I really like that they're portraying Willow's substance use issues the way they are here. Because I think that there is a danger in our society to stereotype addicts as people who might be, quote unquote, unwanted in our society, right? People with mental health issues, unhoused people, people who don't have a lot of connections. And and yes, people in those categories often turn to substance use as a coping strategy. However, I think it's important for us to have more conversations about how substance use is actually rampant across all of our society, every demographic, anybody can succumb to substance use and addiction. Some people are more prone to it, but given the right circumstances, any of us can. And so for Willow, who has grown up, you know, fairly privileged, as I remarked upon earlier, sheltered life, um, hasn't done a lot of drugs, you know, she's being very straight edge, for her to become addicted to magic, I think it's a really... I don't want to say good or positive representation, but like I think it's good that the show chose to take a character who is otherwise so straight-laced and show us that, you know, somebody like Willow can experience these issues. You could experience these issues. And if you are, then maybe you feel a bit less shame because you're seeing Willow go through it as well. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I agree with you. I think it's just for me... With her just giving up magic, I was like, but what about that need to control? It can't just be about magic. There's also something about Willow that she's not addressing directly. But okay, but but the need to control something is not a substance use issue, right? Like that could be a personality flaw of Willow's, right? Mm-hmm. And that could be something that she has to deal with through therapy or she may never choose to deal with it, right? Like you and I both know people who are control freaks and maybe we don't spend as much time around them as we want to. Because they're controlling, like, that's a valid criticism of Willow as a person, but wanting to control things and wanting to have power in situations is not itself a type of addiction. It's just a personality thing. Right. Let's remember, Willow has always had these glimmers of a controlling personality way back in seasons one and two when she got put in charge of things, right? Like, she always wanted to... You know, like once she got her confidence, she she was very good at being in charge of stuff. And we saw that in even the start of this season where Willow is in charge of the Scoobies and they're slaying. Like, I, I'm not disputing the fact that Willow enjoys that feeling of power. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to make sure that we're being very clear that, like, you cannot be addicted to being in control or having power over people. You can enjoy those things, but that's not an addiction because it's not something that you're dependent on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's just so much going on in like layer-wise with Willow's sure. character. So that's well, that's why mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting storyline. I do like it. I th- And I hope that in the future we dive more into Willow's um, insecurities, right? And the things that are making her feel inferior where an, an addiction might uh, feed into those aspects of her personality that need more work on her end, right? So mm-hmm. the last scene of the episode is Buffy in her room. She has put garlic up around the windows and bed. I don't know. I can't remember in the past them ever using garlic, really. It's like in her chest at some point in season one. But yeah. <laughs> so she, she she's put up garlic everywhere and she holds a cross in her hands as she sits on her bed. 
uh, looking scared. And she actually looked so, so young to me as she was sitting on the bed like that. And I, I sometimes forget that Buffy's like 20 or 21 years old here. She's in her early 20s. And she can't have Willow uninvite Spike from the house. So what is she going to do? Oh, seriously, yeah. And Giles is gone. I guess she could ask Tara. So yeah, like we said, uh, Buffy is seeing herself in some of Will- what Willow was saying uh, when they're having their discussion in Willow's room. It looks like Buffy herself is going to try to withdraw from Spike and what what happened earlier that week. Although I will say that sleeping with someone who's really toxic in your early 20s, it's, it's not quite the same as having a serious problem that can affect your health and your life and the loved ones that are around you. I find it interesting that that's the connection that they've made between the two girls here. But um, Buffy, if you don't feel safe, you know, in Spike's presence, if you want to protect yourself, put all the garlic up that you need. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see what happens here, because unlike Willow, whose problems are now out in the open for everybody to see, Buffy is still going through this alone, right? Nobody else knows that Buffy has been sleeping with Spike. So what's going to happen in the next couple of episodes when will they find out because you know they're going to find out when indeed uh who's your hero it's got to be dawn because she's a badass in this episode she oh, kicks yeah. a demon she throws sand in his face she puts up with willow which like huge she cooks herself dinner <laughs> <laughs> go dawn dawn bon jovi you take it on my end as well we got some hot steaks some sizzling steaks here woohoo Our first hot take is from Kiara, who wants to point out something about the opening credits of this season. Kiara says, the last image we see of Buffy at the end of the credits is not actually Buffy. It's actually from the gift, and it's a shot of Buffybot. And Kiara says, I find it interesting that the last image of the credits, which always portrays, you know, the power that represents the Slayer. And the badass who was Buffy. Uh, But for this season, they chose a scene where it's not her. Perhaps it's not something to think about, but I like to believe it has been done on purpose. Maybe it's letting us know that Buffy will not really be herself for a long time this season. That she will be going through the motions. Wink! uh, As she will have to relearn how to survive in a world where the hardest thing is to live in it. I see what you did there, Kiara. (laughs) Cool piece of trivia. Good, well spotted. (laughs) Yeah, and I agree. Like, it could mean something or it could just be a really great shot of Sarah Michelle Geller. Who could say? Uh, our next hot steak is from Keela, who writes in about Wrecked. She says, as a teenager who knows a person who struggles uh, with addiction, I think that Dawn's actions in Wrecked are extremely accurate. Willow is shown doing reckless things, putting Dawn in danger. As you know, they get into a car crash and only after the crash happens does Willow realize that she has done what she has done and the danger she put Dawn, a child, in. Sometimes people who struggle with addiction or addictions can only realize admit to needing help after hurting someone they are close to. And this hurt can be physical like Dawn's broken arm, but it can also be mental. I think the slap that Dawn gave Willow is because Dawn was hurt mentally, not physically. As far as Dawn knows, Willow has always been a good role model for her, but seeing her role model descend into an addiction that she can tell that her role model isn't as perfect as she thought. Dawn is hurt by the fact that Willow could ever put her in danger. She's angry because she knows that Willow is 
is why Tara left. All that anger and hurt that Dawn is feeling for Willow combined gives us that wonderful slap. Because of all this and Willow's breakdown, Wrecked is my top five favorite episodes. Wow, thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts on that. I agree. We do love Dawn. Next, we have Tracy writing in, uh, talking about Buffy and saying... I've been thinking a lot about the jokes that Buffy is making when she's in the company of the Scoobies about being dead and all of that. They feel to me as if she is giving a dig to them for bringing her back because she is fundamentally angry with them for bringing her back. They never feel funny to me. Interestingly enough, I always think that it's a way to vent her frustration and cover it with humor. I can't remember if she continues to make them after she reveals that she was in heaven. It will be interesting to see if she does. Mm. she does um i i don't agree with you tracy i find them hilarious <laughs> but i under, i understand where you're coming from i'm not sure buffy is present enough right now to be that calculating in how she makes her jokes i think this is just very much buffy's sense of humor and i'm glad it's back and apparently you know untarnished by her time uh in the afterlife i think it's just buffy being buffy but i love i i think you're right that the, like the jokes are significant in terms of what they mean. Even if it's not funny, we can't deny that they are well timed <laughs> and punny. You know, like they like they're they're they hit. They're like boom, boom, boom. Buffy's good with that. Our, thanks, Tracy. Our last hot steak is from um Elisa who wanted to write in about Once More With Feeling. And she says that the reason the choreography in Where Do We Go From Here is much more basic, it's because the spell is wearing off. That's the same rationale as, as to why Spike get, get himself out of it. <laughs> so mm, good, point. Good, good point. I love it. And finally, thank you to all of our Buy Me A Coffee supporters. We have a new Scooby to thank. Thank you so much, John Y. You know who you are. Um, and then especially thank you to our chosen ones, Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, and Amy. Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Louise, Joshua, Reese, and Susanna. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week